0: A dents and scratches putting a dent in your day? Introducing Rogerstein Crash Repairs Adelaide, your trusted solution for automotive woes. With over two decades of expertise, Rogerstein Crash Repairs guarantees top notch service, restoring your vehicle to its former glory in no time. From minor dings to major collisions, our skilled technicians handle it all with precision and care using state of the art equipment and techniques rogerstein crash repairs saved my car it looks brand new fast friendly and reliable i wouldn't trust anyone else with my vehicle don't let accidents slow you down visit rogerstein crash repairs adelaide at 14 penner avenue glind for quality service you can count on and here's a special offer just for our listeners mention this podcast and receive a 100 dollars discount on your repair Roger Steam Crash Repairs Adelaide. Excellence in every repair.
1: Previously, previously on the Game On podcast.
2: So I
3: mean that was a, that was a famous win for the North And League. you you as a fellow Nord High person won't believe this, but bloody Nord High made us go on a school camp. I missed the grand final. <laughs> I've heard this for a Freaking school camp, Craggy. You, you, you yeah. reckon? Yeah, you reckon
2: i have dirty. He's dirty, isn't he? he yeah, is. yeah.
3: I'm still he's, he's, more dirty on that than any other
2: loss. You know? so <laughs> yes. Yeah. So yes, that's
4: that's 46 years yeah. ago. you're <laughs> 45 years ago now. You've got it.
2: He's got an attitude problem, oh. hasn't he? He needs some therapy. I, I reckon yeah. with a few of
4: our previous guests, we've. I reckon we've heard this story three times. So yeah. maybe this
3: is the
4: therapy. Oh, maybe Craig. it's a bit cathartic.
3: <laughs> Craigie, though, was a naughty... Palmy, I sort of had to tread a bit carefully there because he didn't get picked in the 78 side and he should have. So I had to tread yep, a little fickle. bit more carefully there with Palmy than I would have.
2: So, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. They uh, were great days. They were, they were fantastic days. It's, it's really good talking about them. So, you know, bring back so many fond memories.
1: Sportscast SA presents Game On. Game On. South Australians destination for everything sports local national and international sports AFL football soccer basketball golf baseball tennis cricket and any other sports played in this wide world and we're going to have a blast doing it so sit back relax and let's do this thing welcome
4: to game on. Welcome to Game On. My name's Pete. Once again, joined by Malcolm and uh, Neil Craig. Uh, we had to split the interview up into a few uh, three sections to be able to fit it all in with our regular episode. And uh, fantastic talking about the uh, the grand final, and uh, obviously. Uh, you missing out was yeah. a, another little bit of a, a bit of fun with uh, with Craigie there
3: Craigie enjoyed that though actually look what a privilege to interview Neil Craig for over an hour and a half like you know it's he's he's elite he's an exceptional man he's he's a genius in a lot of ways yep. and yeah it's just a privilege that he gave us so much of his time
4: absolutely and part 2 coming up uh, later in today's episode so we look forward to that but um let's go around the grounds Around the grounds. All right, once again, we'll talk a little bit of tennis, a little bit of basketball, a little bit of soccer, but we'll kick off with the AFL, mate. Uh, first things first, uh, a national AFL reserves competition uh, has been mooted over the last week or so. Uh, we We did our interview with um, Craigie a little bit earlier last week, so there are some topics we're sort of playing catch-up on a little bit but still worth talking about.
3: Some thoughts on that? Look, well, there's one particular person, since he's no longer coaching in footy at the moment, could probably let it out, but Brett Hand, who went up coaching Coach Glenerg and that Brett's uh, played at Nord Mm -hmm. and that, Brett Brett was working for GWS, and they actually got a letter, Get Prepared. Mm Mm-hmm. Or a National Reserves competition. Now that's probably about ten years ago now. Right. And GWS, along with all the other clubs, yes. has started interviewing people to sign them up. Yes. And then it got it didn't happen. Right. So it's been in the pipeline for a long time. Anyone thinking this is just a oh a, a maybe now, mm-hmm. it's been in in ages. The bizarre part is it's sort of already happened. Yep. But it's an Eastern Seaboard competition where the Brisbane and Sydney and GWS mm-hmm. are in the reserves comp and mm-hmm. yet not the other AFL side. So it is a bit crazy. Look, I'm, I'm still worried about it on an SNFL sidelines scared. in terms of, and ironically, James Fantasia is not one of them I've spoken to, but I've spoken at length to three other CEO, Sample CEOs one of them thinks we would survive mm-hmm. without the One of them thinks we wouldn't. One of them's in the middle, so it's very interesting there yep. that it's so much. And I've said for ages we need to get rid of the bullshit. Actually, have complete honesty. What money do we get from the AFL from Stadium Management mm-hmm. Authority deal? This, this, and this. Mm-hmm. In other words, what's the deal going to be if they leave mm-hmm. with the Stadium Management Authority? Remembering, don't don't anyone forget. But the only reason Adelaide and Port Adelaide are around is because the SNFL in the first place. So mm-hmm. anyone who thinks, "Oh, well, they shouldn't get anything anymore any if the SNFL clubs aren't in it," that's garbage because without them, there wouldn't be the side. So, so the, hopefully that bit would still stay pretty similar, but there needs to be complete transparency. Yep. And at the moment, is he she she say and a lot of Chinese whispers, you know, for the saying, mm-hmm. and it it's garbage it should be honesty to, to know exactly where we stand
4: absolutely i'm glad you brought up the SNFL, which is what i was going to lead you into but you you got to, got there before i had a chance to ask but yeah it's very interesting that you've spoken to three people and 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 obviously reading some of the comments uh, online as as we do yep. as part of the podcast to sort of gauge the temperature there's a lot of people that are yay for it and there's a lot of people that are nay for it and i think it's going to be a really good opportunity for the SNFL to sit back. I believe to sit back and reevaluate where they could potentially be uh, without Port and the Crows being in it. It's a bit. It's for me. It's a little bit unfortunate that Port Adelaide have to give up. Uh, you know their their place within the SNFL uh, because they have been part of it for hundred and fifty odd years. But,
3: but they want to as well. Yes, and the whole bit where there's been this. Dart throwing at the Crows for a long time, that the Crows don't take finals seriously and all that. And that is spot on. The Crows in 2016 were disgraceful in that final Mm -hmm. against Sturt, the prelim final. If anyone wants to watch a bizarre game of footy, try and find that. And they did not care. Now, Port Adelaide have always said, no, 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 not us. Hang on. The elimination final this year against Centrals, Mm -hmm. Lysette was very close to best on ground he goes off the ground in the last quarter when it's one point the difference Yep, to keep him in ready for the game the next week, which I actually thought was stupid because he needed some work into him at that stage. He missed so much footy, he actually needed the work. I yep. thought I thought it was actually a crazy decision yep. in general. But Paul Adelaide, who I said, no, 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 we're here to win the SNFL as well. Well, you didn't care. You didn't care about that. So don't. Don't throw darts and then do the same thing. Absolutely. Uh,
4: I think it makes sense and I think a lot of uh, genuine football people will understand that it does make sense that your uh, top tier competition has obviously the 18 AFL clubs, uh, 19 with Tasmania coming in. Uh, A reserves comp would make sense. Um, Again, a little bit like the AFLW, we've sort of done things a little bit backwards in some respect because obviously – before the VFL, uh, the SNFL, the Waffle, all the state leagues had their own uh, independent competition. And then to try and make it national, they've tried to fit it into a, a round peg into a square hole, so to speak. And
3: well, the old traditional VFL grand final was the three games. Correct. It was the 18s, the reserves and the league game. And a lot of people used to get there mm-hmm. were at nine o'clock OK, it's grand final day, so it's a little bit different trying to get in and all yes. that. We know that. But they were there ready for the 18s game. Yep. The 18s game generally had 15,000 people there at the start. Now, we exactly, we, we're now uh, my, sort of going back to back, where we were. Correct. Yeah. So my
4: next point on that, and you did bring it up just briefly then, was then do we have a national under-18s competition to sort of tie in with – a national reserves competition or does that national under 18s competition become part of the state, the independent state leagues? This is where I'm a little bit uh, at at unease with it at the moment going that if you're going to go a national reserves competition, then generally you should have an under 18s competition or under 20s competition or something well, along those lines that might actually help that progression.
3: Considering being honest, that's what the AFL care about. That's their gravy train for drafting. and. Sort of like the model which it's gone more and more now, and the SNFL falling away. Mm-hmm. It means you know far less chance to find a Hayes, Diagon, Puopolo Lee, Spur yes. side of things. Um, so yeah, and that that's a worry. Like, you, you go and watch an SNFL game now, and it's dropped away dramatically from ten, from five to ten years ago. Yep, um, and it's getting the competition. I. I, I don't think the SNFL clubs help themselves either, though. Mm-hmm. There's not the money around it, and they're demanding the guys to train more and more. Now, Cam Ball, I'm, I could Google his age. I think Cam's 24, 25. Yes. Has left Nord. He's going to go play amateur What? because he's so intense. The regime. He's just too intense yep. as well. And I think Nord aren't alone there. You know, I think probably... Jade wouldn't be the first coach in, uh, anywhere where the more you stroke, the harder you work mm. and, it, and it probably needs to be the other way around. Yep, And that's sort of been said as well around the traps Yep, uh, by Nord guys. So, you know.
4: Well, the other option that, uh, you know, we do tend to look to America for a lot of ideas is that you then start to have clubs aligned with certain um, AFL clubs within Certain, a bit like the old days where, you know, the Crows players used to go back to to their clubs uh, or they generally got drafted by um, X amount of clubs were in the Port Adelaide zone and X yeah. amount were in the Crow zone. Maybe we go down the, the path of almost like the baseball uh, in America is. where you do have like a minor league team and a, and, but, but then again, I do like the idea of the reserves and under 18 competition and then you're drafting from that
3: under 18 competition. As much as I hate to say it, I'm very, very happy to have put on a bet that within five to 10 years, that League fo- SNFL and community football will amalgamate. Yep. League footy will become Div 1 of community football. Right. You yeah. can put plenty
4: on that. Yeah, fair cool. Uh, obviously, with, uh, you know, like we talked about a minute ago, the money's not there for, right. for some of the SNFL clubs. Some of the training regimes are not always uh, the best for uh, younger people that are still working. Um, but you're right certainly uh it is something that the SnFL have got to explore and and obviously the um, the local amateur league as well uh, need to explore a little bit more and that promotion relegation process uh, may be something that, that they look at all right uh, let's move on to the AFL Adelaide uh, just looking at now they've pretty much will finalized their squad barring their uh, young talent coming yep. in in the draft what's a pass mark for the crows in 2024
3: I think because they m- knocked on the door of the eight this year and we're unlucky not to miss, to make it. Lost five games, I think, by under a goal. Mm-hmm. So I think they have to make the eight next year. Um, would be the pass mark. Yep. Not make the eight and win a game
4: or just making the eight. I know they'll want to win a game. Yeah,
3: but- I think they have to make the eight and be, be very competitive in that game. I don't think they can make the eight and get blown away yeah but yeah I think they have to make yeah hopefully win one but at least be competitive to make another step
4: yep I mean obviously injury is going to play a part yeah. I mean we're we're forward predicting here on yeah. best case scenarios um obviously they they draft a couple of guns uh, in with some of those earlier draft picks that may have an impact almost instantly like uh, max Michelani did this year you know uh, drafted last year comes in this year has a, a pretty immediate impact You'd expect Jordan Dawson would take things to another level. Um, the one for me is probably Riley Thilthorpe. I really want to see him take that next step, a bit like what Fogg Fog did last year.
3: And then then Fogarty plateaued again. They're, they're the two. Yep. Thilthorpe and Fogarty actually take a progression. Mm-hmm. The Crows will make the eight. Yep. Now, th- at the moment, Thilthorpe really is just shown the odd glimpse, probably more in his first game than he's ever done since. Yep. Um and there was a showdown he was good in as well. But he's just got to do more. Yeah. Um, is that a case of him not being that number one target?
4: You know, in that He does have to play second fiddle to Fogg, who had a really good year. And obviously Tex Walker had a fantastic year as well.
3: I think the other worry is I don't think he actually wants to ruck. Now, that's Adelaide's biggest weakness. If, yep. he, if he enjoyed rucking, I, I've got no doubt he would have been first ruck this yep. year. Yep. But I don't think he enjoys the physicality side of it. And you have to enjoy it. You have to love love it to do it obviously um and I th- I think that's a real worry with him mm-hmm. I- and I'm I-, I think both him and Fogarty, because again Fogarty's heights a bit of a nothing height and that side of things and it's hard to be a leading forward these days when the op- opposition's defense is flooding and, yep. you know and all that side sort of things so they're the two with the big question marks look they need a a da- a dowling nancurvis to make an impact yep Losing Murray is vital in their defence, losing Dode. So whether their defence is going to stick up, defence and rack mm-hmm. are the big key questions for me. Fair enough. All right, we'll move on to Port Adelaide. Port Adelaide, what, what do you think their
4: pass mark might be for 2024?
3: I reckon they've got to make at least a prelim. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe one more, really. Uh, I thought for the coach side of things. Yes. But Again, on injuries, and it's such a ruthless comp. Like Melbourne, for, Melbourne were bee away, in both yes. finals. So it is so fine, absolutely, such a fine
4: line. We've talked about the Fab three, four, five that that uh, Port Adelaide have got. Obviously, uh, Connor Rosie looking at potentially being captain yep. uh, on a little bit of a, a pay increase. I'm I'm hearing around yes. the place um, potentially could be there. Um, Jason Horn francis we've talked about previously, had a yep. very, very good first year up at Port Adelaide. I would expect that his uh, progression would, wouldn't would plateau. And, uh, but,
3: it, it, and then Butters. So the, the dynamic threesome in the middle, that's capable yep. of them. They need Todd Marshall to stand up for one. not will come back yep. reasonably early in the year. Mm-hmm. Dixon's still a big question mark and always is on his body. Yep. They need Marshall to go from that kid who shows promise, yes, to really impact in the competition.
4: My big one is probably Ollie Wines. Um, yeah, where, where, where do on. they where yeah, do exactly. they play? Where do they play him? Yeah. Uh, he's come out obviously in the last few days and sort of said that, you know, I felt like I didn't give my best to the team this year, uh, almost trying to fit into a slightly different role. But um, yeah, for me, he's probably the one big question mark. Uh, from that point of view. Uh, obviously, them recruiting uh, uh is going to be interesting to see how that works with Aaliyah as well. So for me, I'm a bit like you. The, the pass mark, I think, for Port Adelaide, the bar is set a little bit higher. Yeah. Um, in saying that, which team do you think is a little bit close to a premiership, Port or the Crows?
3: I still think Port, but I, I I still think both are a... a I think Port are more of a chance, put yep. it that way. That's yep. probably the best way of describing it.
4: Just where they are at the moment, list profile, who they've recruited. Yeah. I somewhat tend to agree. Um, if Adelaide's injuries were a bit like where they were this year and and they do unearth a couple of guns, that uh, maybe they can take that next step a little bit quicker than we all thought. And yeah. really, at the end of the day, if that goal had been allowed against Sydney, then they probably would have played finals. But probably. that's a whole nother ball game. Yeah. All right. Um, and just on the AFL, just the last one, I'm noticing that a lot of players obviously posting on social media that – They're taking it upon themselves to start their pre-seasons a little bit earlier and obviously get in the gym and do, do a little bit of extra work. I know that the fitness and conditioning guys do give them sort of programs that they can go away, but it just seems like they're coming back better and better prepared each year.
3: It's nothing new. Look, of a previous guest we've had on the show, David Palm... That I did his pre his preseason Christmas break with him over down at Victor Harbor, and this was I reckon it was when Barlow was coach. On memory, yep. And it was a forty odd page dossier. I think I read it more than Palmy did. I, I will add, but yep. um, so it's
4: not it's nothing new. No, absolutely. I'm, I'm just making mention that you know it's yeah. great to see some of these players. You might especially... get
3: more publicity now. You look, you get all, you get less of like the Darren Jarman turning back up, mm-hmm. way over weight. Those sort of days are gone. I think.
4: Yep. And obviously some of the uh, more experienced players or slightly ageing players like a Sloan and a Walker, you know, they're trying to get ahead of the, yeah. the, the game. So I can totally understand it. So, all right, we'll move on to cricket, mate. Um, Australia take down England, uh, which we sort of hoped would, was going to happen, but it certainly happened in fine style. And then a bit of a narrow escape against Afghanistan with Australia 7 for 91. And then Glenn Maxwell comes to the crease and goes absolutely insane.
3: As I said to Jake Bushell yesterday, I said, look, that's the most unique innings I've ever seen. I've never seen anything like it. And he actually said, well, consider how much bloody cricket you've watched yep. in your life. And, and it was. It was remarkable. His body was gone. So he was playing shots I've just never seen anyone play before. Mm-hmm. Like it was a stick man swinging and he played a reverse ramp off um, <laughs> yes, the, the opening bowler. I think it, I know it, the one it, you mean. Yep, it was just crazy, and he still just seemed to be hitting every ball in the middle. Uh, it was it was quite incredible to go seven for ninety one. The game's over. That's A- it. Absolutely. You know, geez, that's disappointing. Afghanistan now make it probably rah. ra ra. Mm. And he's just kept going. And in the end, Australia actually got him with three overs to spare. <laughs> yeah. We didn't get him off the last
4: ball. Uh, I did read somewhere that uh, highest eighth wicket um, stand uh, by about 60 odd, 60 odd runs. So uh, Glenn Maxwell uh, turning back the clock a little bit on what we like to see in the game. And it was almost like he took it on like a 2020 and just kept slugging and slugging and slugging. It was just, and that he it,
3: couldn't run to take singles. It was just so weird, mm-hmm. and quite incredibly, Cummings batting at uh, number nine. Yes, has played a sheet anchor role. Yes, what was twelve, it, 12 off sixty eight or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah like it was, so it was a really weird game and unique. Let's not forget, for all the crap Maxwell's copped over the years, he he never played a home Test match. Okay. He never played a test match in Australia, which I think's a, a real indictment. There was the big question mark over him. He went and made a hundred in India and a, on fighting to save the game. A slow hundred. Everyone thought, oh, he couldn't do that. Yep. You know, he, he's got out playing that stupid reverse sweep. He hasn't got the temperament to play test cricket. But I'm going. He never got given a go. And Doug Walters used to play some crazy shots. And Ian Chappell's th- summary of Doug was. As long as he wins me one test match out of five in the series, Mm -hmm. he's doing his job. Yep. Don't dare say that Glenn Maxwell couldn't have done that.
4: Absolutely. All right, we move on to a little bit more of the local stuff with the Redbacks against Queensland. Ah. Uh, South Australia declared five for 359. Uh, 2.38 reply was uh, Queensland's first
3: innings, but... We're just about to lose at the moment. So we had a lead of 130 on the first innings. And ironically, as an experienced South Australian follower, I'm thinking, uh uh-oh, that um, Skekady and Pearson put on 54, I think it was, for the ninth wicket. And I'm thinking wonder if those runs will end up winning Queensland the game. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, we then collapsed to be to only make 151 in the second innings. Yes. Queensland are currently 4 for 220 and need 53 to win. So very disappointing, predictable South Australia.
4: But Kawaja, um, obviously 92 there, um, certainly holding the Queensland innings together. Yeah.
3: We did have them 2 for 13. Big LBW appeal on on Burns when he was still on naught. So there's a little bit of luck. But look, Fraser McGurk, we've recruited him from Victoria. The kid's got ability, but he's cricket brain dead. The shots, some of the shots he's played, he got caught on the boundary five minutes before lunch to make us five for 115 against Tasmania in the first game. Mm-hmm. He's got caught on caught yesterday at deep extra cover. Yep. Uh, to, so we're then five for 110. When we they put on forty odd to get us back in the game. Yep. At that stage, back for another, you know, bit more. We're home. Yes. Or in terms of at least drawing the game. And dumb again. And yeah, it's just stupid errors. Really frustrating. Bit more thought. I, I bit will more say, look, good, good to see Henry Hunt made a hundred in the first innings, but he made a duck in the second and he's still he hasn't been pushed his game the nets consistently. The, the only batsman at the moment for South Australia, who's been consistent, is Nathan McSweeney. Mm-hmm. He's had a very good year, and I think around the traps at the moment, if there was a middle order injury in Australia at the moment, McSweeney's to call up out of all the states. If you actually go through it, yep, there's no one banging down the door any other state. So um, well, that's you, promising.
4: You'd know better than than most uh, watching. Yeah, well, cricket not. probably Queen, a little bit more than what, what I Queensland, would Queensland
3: Clayton hasn't quite done enough been nothing in New South Wales. Mm-hmm. Uh Tasmania is probably nearest to Jordan Silk, who's, pro- who's probably too old you would have thought. And there's been really no and WA, nothing else in the you know, Bancroft at the top and Whiteman maybe at the top. But, yep. but after that, who's fallen away. Turner hasn't been done enough. Um, yeah, I-, I think McSweeney is the logical middle order player, which probably is Probably surprise people if you don't really follow Shield Cricket. Mm-hmm. If you're not a moron like me, follow Shield Cricket. <laughs>
4: I'm not suggesting that at all, mate. Yeah. Uh, I know you love your Shield Cricket, and uh, I only uh, get to watch it when uh, the opportunity arises. All right, let's move on to the AFLW round ten completed. Port Adelaide um, sending out one of their absolute legends in Erin Phillips in style. Uh, like we did mention a bit earlier, we recorded our episode a little bit earlier last week before her announcement um, because of Craigie. Uh, and, and and we're trying to fit in with his timetable a little bit. Um, we didn't get a chance to, to, to give her the dues uh, that she deserved last week, but we want to give them this week in that she's been a revelation for the AFLW competition.
3: Probably the best way to describe it is being involved with Nord and we worked out that Erin Phillips was worth about five to $10,000 to Nord Footy Club, her part, playing, mm-hmm. and there was a game she had a fitness test in. And it was my job to find out whether she'd passed it or not. she had yep. I then had, was told right Malcolm, don't care how, but get it out there on every radio station exactly how I don't <laughs> yes. care what name you use, what you send in. yep was to get it out there and that show and look Aaron also there was a game I was working for, you know, I was actually technically employed by the by the AFL. Yes so I was still it was probably about an hour and a half after the game. And there was Erin still signing autographs. Everyone else, every other player was well and truly off the ground yep. and all that. So she has been the biggest ambassador for the game. Not only the best player, but the biggest ambassador as well.
4: And and that sort of leads me into what I was going to sort of suggest next is that I think the AFL do need to name an award for her. And that will come, obviously, in time. It is a bit new at the moment and, and people are sort of saying, you know, they need to give her a award, they need to give her a award. I'd like him to think through it a little bit carefully because well, it's she ironic is. ironic you've
3: said that because Nicole Livingston has come out and said those words today, mm. that they are holding back and all that at the moment. Mm-hmm. And I get that, but I still – and there will be Victorians will push the Daisy Pierce side of things, mm-hmm. but I still think it was Erin at the start. She was she was the pin-up girl, you know, the basketballer, yep. the, son, the daughter of Greg. Yep. You know, all uh, right. And let's not forget, Greg's in the Hall of Fame. Greg mm-hmm. is one of the – if I'm picking my best ever side, it's out of Greg Phillips and Roscoe and Denny and half back. Yep. So that's how highly I rate Greg Phillips. Yep. Um, provided Nord far more troubles than any other player ever has. Yes. And that
4: – Maybe we should try and get him on at some stage. It should be easy. good. It's not easy, Greg. <laughs> no, no, that's no, fair, no, fair no, enough. No. But uh, as you said, Aaron there um, – such a great ambassador for the AFLW and I think that uh, she does need to be recognised in some way and we congratulate Erin on a fantastic career and I, I, I think she probably could have gone around again but look, she's not getting any younger, she's trained at the elite level for so many years, not only in the basketball career but obviously at the football career um, and she got to captain her club really at the end of the day. I mean, you know, there's a lot of debate about, you know, is she a crow, is she a port? Look, at the end of the day, you know, she had to play at a team that allowed her to come home, uh, which was Adelaide at the time. But as soon as Port Adelaide were entered into the competition, she was always going to be
3: uh, one player that was going to make that transition. Well, let's also to remember she'd played in three flags. Like, yeah. what, else, what else have you got to achieve? Yep. Absolutely, it's been two wickets and four balls at the Gabba. So, well, there's six six for two nine eight at with about stage. two. I
4: think I can see on the uh, on the screen. Uh, Port Adelaide defeating the Giants by fifty eight points, obviously sending Aaron off in style, and also the Port Adelaide crowd uh, at Alberton and Adelaide uh, did what they needed to do against the West Coast Eagles to put themselves in a pretty good position, and it ended up working out very very well for them. And now they have the minor premiership,
3: which gives them a home final. And Adelaide rested a few too, the uh, Hatchard Randall. So they re- they rested six, um. So that's probably one thing which they couldn't have done a few years ago. There wouldn't, there wasn't the depth to do that. Yep. So that that's encouraging. Yeah. So now minor premiers, two thirty five Saturday afternoon at the home of football versus versus Brisbane. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So hopefully a full house at the parade. Well,
4: I think it's going to be a huge day at the parade. Um, would have been nice to have it on Friday night. Um, yeah, not 100% sure. Not 100% sure why the AFL didn't schedule it uh, for yeah, Friday night, know. considering uh, I think here on Saturday night, we've got Adelaide United and the Adelaide 36ers playing as well. So, Sort of Saturday is a huge day, not only for people with their own sports, is it's a huge day for uh, football, soccer, and I'm not and sure
3: if it wasn't written in that there was an automatic that every club had to have at least six day break. Right, may well have been the fair thing. Cool.
4: Uh, Adelaide playing the Brisbane Lions, as you mentioned at North Oval, um, uh, Gold Coast Suns playing Sydney. Interesting to see that uh, Sydney just scraping into the eight with their last uh, gasp win. In the uh, and again by
3: bizarrely yes. a goal umpire decision <laughs> like know. Sydney are going to have awards for goal umpires this absolutely. year absolutely um,
4: best and Ferris could be oh. interesting uh, Geelong v Essendon down at GM HBA Stadium and Melbourne v the Kangaroos that'd be a good
3: great really good game I was mm. really impressed with North Melbourne here against Adelaide so okay I'm going to go out in a limb before the final starts yes I'm going to tip North Melbourne to beat Adelaide in the final. Okay. All right. All right. There's your tip, and we might keep
4: that one yeah, on yeah. Uh, on replay. We'll see how yep. we go. Uh, obviously, Adelaide, the bogey team is Brisbane. Yeah. Um, Melbourne, we've said all the way along that we sort of um, think that they're going to be the, the benchmark. But now, North I do Melbourne want to have come. one
3: crack at the tribunal last night. Yeah, there were two Brisbane players. Hesop, yep, mm-hmm. keeps the three games and had to. It was a diabolical tackle, and... Yet again, Kim Dillon, dinosaur land on the radio today, thinking there was nothing in it. If you watch it slowly, no, she slammed the head in the ground. For goodness sake, those days have gone, yep. you donkeys. Um, and the other one, blatantly guilty as well. Went past the ball, elbow raised. How that went from deliberate to careless. Yes. Crazy. Absolute bullshit. It, ha- it was a blatant game. Yep. I don't care she's playing. I'm just saying it's wrong. Yes. Yeah. Well, especially with the Adelaide
4: player with the oh. bump, bump a few weeks ago yeah. that got weeks uh, for 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 a legitimate bump that obviously ended up being a touch high. But um, yeah, very, very interesting. All right, we'll uh, take a very, very quick break. When we come back, we've got the tennis, the basketball, the soccer, and also Neil Craig part two.
1: You're listening to the Game On podcast.
4: We'll be right back after this short break. All right, we'll kick off with tennis. The Billie Jean Cup, Australia goes down two-one to Slovenia. Both singles losses, but we come back pretty strongly in the doubles. It does uh, keep Australia in the hunt. They do need to win against Kazakhstan for a chance to make the semi-finals.
3: Yeah, a little bit disappointing against with uh, Slovenia, but I reckon you've done well to even find that with a lack of publicity. And you know, again, that probably comes back there's no Ash Barty. If there's yep. an Ash Barty around, that gets promoted. Yes. So, yeah, a little bit frustrating that, yeah. A we... little, little
4: bit of late-night TV at the moment, yeah. obviously, with the cricket yeah. the cricket being on. I think Channel 9 at one stage had three lots of sports going uh, within one night and one of them happened to be the tennis. So I was um, flipping between channels but obviously keeping an eye on the tennis as well. But you're right, the lack of uh, publicity doesn't help uh, the game here in Australia, which seems to be building in the right direction, but a bit more at the local level with some local players. You want more participation to to build the base.
0: Yes.
4: Uh, Also, sticking with tennis, Saudi Arabia are looking to host a new event in January which threatens the lead-up events to the Australian Open. Uh, There's about a half a billion dollars on offer. Yeah. It's pretty hard to compete with that, isn't it? Mm. Uh We did talk a couple of weeks ago about how the ATP Tour and the wa TP Tour are trying to get together or maybe formulating some sort of plan, so that way we don't get a scenario of Live Golf where Mm. um, countries that do have half a billion on the the table uh, can take away from some of the major tournaments. The question will be whether they take away from one of the other tournaments throughout the year, one of the Australian tournaments uh, in the lead up to the Australian Open, Um, obviously the... Uh, Grand slams are obviously worth the most amount of points. Then you've got the one uh, thousand events, the five hundred events, the two fifty yeah. events, and so on. They're looking to be in at the at the thousand points yeah. events, yeah. so they're looking for something major to then lead into something even bigger in the future. Yeah. So, a bit of a we'll keep a bit of an eye on yeah, that, but yeah. half yeah, a billion yeah, on the table is a bit hard to ignore
3: need Connor Rosie he might have to sponsor it. might be the only way out of
4: it. <laughs> he might be. Yeah. All right, we'll move on to basketball. Once again, the curse is struck every time we get hope. The 36ers, unfortunately, fall in a little bit of a hole and that's exactly what they did against uh, the Wildcats.
3: Yeah, and a game which fluctuated. We've had a fair few swings and roundabouts that game, one team and then the other in control.
4: Down by 20 points at one stage yeah. as
3: well. So the gap was just a little bit too far to, yeah. to, to reach. Again, some always some interesting refereeing decisions over and two headers land as well. So
4: absolutely, and uh, obviously, the Adelaide thirty six is taking on the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers this yes. weekend. Yep. Uh, look, CJ Bruton is obviously hoping for some consistency because it has yeah. been a bit up and down right from the start of the season. So, yeah. um, good luck to the thirty six this weekend. All right, we move on to soccer. Uh, the last of the qualifying games, Australia finished off in in pretty good style. Yep. Uh, what's next for the Matildas? They've got a couple of friendlies coming up in December against Canada. They're away.
3: Yeah.
4: Um, but the most important part is it looks like the pay deal has somewhat been struck.
3: It looks like that way, which is you know, that's a good sign. So it was a good. It was a workmanlike, efficient. Campaign. Week campaign for the Matildas, yeah.
4: Absolutely, and then to top it off, the pay deal looks like it's going yeah. to be uh, finalised, which is very, very good for those Australian players. All right, Adelaide United play out a one-all draw against Melbourne Victory. Nesta Irukundu, uh poked and prodded by the opposition and they sort of got the result that they wanted, which was him being completely frustrated.
3: Poor refereeing, I will say that. Poor by the youngster to react, but geez there were some very average things let go down where yellow cards should have been issued and yep. would have stopped it so very poorly refereed as well i will say adelaide united Gauchi was absolutely brilliant in goal he he got the point yep um if you if you, you really just google back and watch the highlights he makes about three really world class saves
4: and i think he, he's in the th- three or four games that we've had already this season, he's had to... Yeah, he's been good. I, I know that they've scored some very, very good goals, but he's also kept uh, the, the the score sheet clean, uh, all but the Martin Melbourne victory game, which was a one-all draw.
3: And the battle with Paul Izzo, former Adelaide United keeper down the other end, mm-hmm. brother of Toaster, who listens to our uh, our show. Yep. Um. Yeah, so that, that was also interesting, but no, well done there. And look, a good result in the end, and we're still... Sitting on top of this stage, uh, where it looks like it's a bit of a long, and yet again, it's what are we? Four rounds, four rounds in, and another coach has bitten the dust. Sydney, Sydney's coach Kyrick, has gone. So yeah, yep. that has been that's two gone already. All right, they don't muck around in the no. old world of uh, no, they soccer.
4: don't. But they do give opportunities to coaches who have been. Uh, In the system and then gone out of the system to come back in. Whereas AFL hasn't quite done that as well as what the soccer has. But we can talk about that one a little bit later. All right, let's take a very, very quick break when we come back. uh, Past players, past legends with Neil Craig, part two.
1: Liking this podcast? Please like, rate, and subscribe. Past players, past past legends, past legends.
4: Fair enough, and then obviously we alluded before that uh, you got your chance to come back to Norwood, and you held that position until 1990, 1995. Uh, some memories there,
2: yeah, yeah. I have once again, I have very fond memories of of that time. I think it was five years I was at Norwood. Um, the first two or three were really tough years because um, I think it was that was the same time. I think ninety. I started in 1991, I think 91, yep. 92. yeah ninety one start of it start of, the, start of the um, and I reckon Crows that was the first that. year of the Crows Yep, yep. Um, and so there was there was um, you know there was it was an interesting time because there were there were a lot of players taken from the SNFL clubs you know to, to play for the Crows is the way it was set up um, and then you know the, those guys that, that didn't play for the Crows would come back to the club um, and I was a young coach. I was a young, aggressive coach. I was a black and white coach in terms yeah. of my thinking. Yeah. Um. You know, so there was a, there was there was a fair bit of anxiety created between the Norwood Football Club and and the Adelaide Football Club, and then probably most of my doing. Um. So that was that was a good learning process, and I think when I when I first went to Norwood as a senior coach, they hadn't been out of the finals for twenty two years or something like that. Um, and in my first my first two years, uh, we missed the final. So, yeah. you know, with players, you know, going to the Adelaide Football Club and back and forth, we missed the final. So it was a tough period from coaching. And I, I was a very – well, I hadn't had any experience as coach. So in a lot of ways, like I'm, I'm flying by the seat of my pants. But once again, to, to the credit of, of Wally Miller and the support that he gave me, uh, and the encouragement to keep going, and to make some to make some errors, uh, but to sort of to be myself, if you like. Um, we eventually sort of uh, regrouped. Uh, I think we played in the, played grand, the grand final, final
3: in '93 against West uh, Westerlands. Tur- West yeah, Torrance.
2: and we got a bit of a touch up in that game. Yeah,
3: I, I admit I um, we might have gone to the bar a tad early in that game.
2: Yeah, Craigie. yeah, yes. I've got scars of that one too, yes. so it's okay. Um, <laughs> so but once again you know in terms of um, an introduction to coaching i mean i couldn't have got i couldn't have got a better apprenticeship you know and, and an opportunity to do it because i had to learn on the run and had to learn quickly um so i think i finished there in 95 because um, i think at that time i was it was still part time the, the coaching job and i was at the sports institute in Adelaide yep. so the yep. South Australian sports institute and i was tied up with cycling with a guy called Charlie Walsh and the '96 Olympic Games were happening in Atlanta, um, and there was there was some opportunity and pressure to sort of uh, to, you know, to to travel overseas and go to Olympic Games, you know, with my job. So I remember finishing with Nord and I reckon I'm '96. Uh, I didn't I didn't have any footy in '96. No. it was pretty it was pretty much overseas all the time in in the Olympic Games.
3: Describe yeah, that fans. experience, Craigie. Yeah. Go for it. Describe that experience, the cycling, the Olympics, Charlie, uh, the whole box and dice. Go uh, for it. The
4: elite of the
2: elite. Yeah. Well, you know, once again, I've been really lucky. Um, If it hasn't been sort of uh, SNFL or AFL, you know, I've been really lucky um, through the Sports Institute back in those days and through, just by chance, Charlie Walsh and Australian cycling, uh, track cycling in particular, Um to be able to travel overseas and to go to world championships and to, um, you know, to go to Olympic Games um, and to, to, to be exposed to a guy like Charlie Walsh. Now, Charlie Charlie was uh, way before his time, um, you know, and I talk about being heavily influenced in terms of the way I think football-wise from the Odie family. Yep. Um, I'm just as heavily influenced with the way I think about high performance sport and the demands of high performance sport and how to prepare for the demands through my time with Charlie Walsh. Um, like he he took Australia when they were the laughing stock of the world in terms of track cycling, and within four or five years um, they were the, recognised as the number one nation in yeah. the world. So. Um, I was able to, to to live that change if you like and be part of that change and so and whilst whilst you tend not to reflect at the time when I when I finished with all that uh, and I reflect back on it um, to, to to be in a to be in an environment where you went from worst to first if you like uh, was a, was a great education and so, um once again my 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 thinking on high performance sport is very much influenced from charlie and and even now like he's sharp in that space and, yeah. I, and I love talking to him about that sort of space how was uh, it though? of course what you what you have there is that it's not uh what you what you feel really quickly is it's not uh norwood versus port adelaide at nord oval you know which is which was uh, that's a uh, it's big yep it's, it's now Australia versus the USA versus yeah. Germany versus Russia versus East Germany and so forth. So everything goes up a level. The yeah. intensity goes up a level. The competition goes up a level. The, the quality of talent goes up a level because uh, nation versus nation, you know. Um, and it's not dissimilar now with some of the work I've been doing with, with rugby, with England rugby and the Wallabies just recently. It's, it's the same sort of – on the international stage – um, you know, it's the stakes just a higher. That's all it is. And, it's, and the pressure's even even greater.
3: How was it, Craigie, to go from a sport where you're a superstar yourself, involved in footy, you know, growing up with footy your whole life, to go to cycling, to probably learn on the run a bit and all that? How, how was that sort of philosophy to go from being, yes, listen and learn, of course, but you still were an expert yourself, to being involved in cycling? Chalk and cheese as far you know, as sports go. Uh, yeah, yeah, totally well, different, I mean, and all that side sort of things. I'm...
2: I guess, I guess uh, to answer that, Malcolm, I mean, my my professional background, you know, through through study at the university, um, yeah. uh, pretty much Flinders University. In reality, uh, was was sort of in sort of uh, for want of a better word in sports science, and and, yeah. and in particular the physiology, which is sort of what happens to the body when you train and, and so forth. Yeah. So I, I go. I was lucky enough to uh, to to start at the sports institute and Charlie was the first full time coach at the sports institute. I was the first time full time sports scientist, so it made sense for those two people to get together. Yep. So that was just pure luck. Um but how lucky was I. Yeah. Um and so I guess what I what I, what I was able to bring to the sport of cycling was some was some science and some applied science and sort of um you know to 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 maybe Add some questions about why why you would do that, and are there better ways of doing it from from a scientific point of view. So whilst it was a, a different sport to to football, I mean I was bringing a different skill set to that sport. Um, but even now I've got a great love for cycling. I mean I uh, I still I still on the bike and I and I enjoy riding and 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 watching it on TV. So. Um, But it's it's really interesting. Over the journey, you know, you you talk about different sports and they're chalk and cheese, and in a lot of ways they are, but in in probably 90% of the ways they're very similar. Um, You know, there's a technical side of every sport, so that is different. But in terms of the stresses, the strains, the planning, the vision, the communication, the relationships, they're all exactly the same no matter what sport you're involved in. And so, um, and that's why I've been able to, to basically go from say AFL, if you like, into say rugby and and cycling and those sort of yeah. sports, and, and still and still hopefully contribute because it's um, apart from the technical side, the the issues and the and the uh, that you face in AFL are exactly the same issues that you face with cycling, rugby, and whatever.
4: Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, obviously, being at the Olympic Games for for the first time. Um, you know were there things that you're able to absorb from other countries that uh, you're able to sort of input into your philosophies
2: well not probably to uh, probably the, the, the quick answer to that Peter is no because um, you you think when you go to Olympic Games that you'd be out and about and looking at other sports and whatever but it's uh, it's quite insular once you get there like you go to you're in the you're in the village uh, you've got your program um, so you, you, you live in the village, you eat in the village, you jump on a bus, you go to the velodrome in this case, cycling. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you're competing against nations that you know about anyway, because you, you know you, in terms of your training, and you're competing throughout the year. Yep. Um, and so, and then when you finish, you basically come home. Mm. Right. So so you don't get a you don't get a lot of chance to uh, to you know. Um, to, to see it, you know, even, even mix with other sports in reality because you're so busy, you know, doing you Probably need you, to uh, be
3: your sport finished uh, over and done with by the first week to really.
2: Yeah, well, even then, the other sports, Malcolm, are so busy that, um, you know, you, you become a pest if you try and. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, a lot of that work is, is done throughout the year, you know. Um, uh, when you're when you're meeting up you know with different nations and uh, and uh, and th- of course through your work when i was at the sports institute in adelaide at sassy uh you are exposed to a whole range of different sports and different coaches so you know how goods that environment to, yeah. to pick people's brains cool. you know and i'm doing some work at the moment through the um, australian institute of sport where uh, a lot of it's with head coaches of, of a range of different sports and that's that's a fantastic professional development for myself it's about to talk to uh, you know, the, the national netball coach, the national you know, hockey-roo coach. The, yeah. Um, you know, and it just goes on and on and on, diving coaches and, and, and you know, a whole range of different sports, swimming and so forth. So you, you do get that cross-pollination, but not so much in, when you're there in competition because you're so busy. Yeah, of yeah.
3: course. Yep. Good call. Makes sense. So after the Olympics, Craigie, you've you then arrived – you've arrived at the Crows and the fit, and the fitness side of things there – in obviously, uh, a couple of great years.
2: Yeah, no, that was. Uh, it was. When was that? Now, let me just think. So, '96 was the Olympics. Yeah, '97,
3: '98. Yep.
2: '97, '98, '99. With Malcolm Blight. Yes. Okay, so yes, uh, I remember John Reed. Um, I was in, uh, I was in Colorado Springs at the time. Um, so it would have been probably June, July, maybe July, August, something like that, and uh, I got a call from John just inquiring about the possibility of of doing some work with the uh, the Adelaide Football Club uh, after the Olympic Games. Once again, that was on a part-time basis because at that time, 97, 98, (laughs) 99, 97, 98 in particular, was sort of a transition phase in terms of uh, going full-time in the AFL. Yep. So anyway, um, that was a great opportunity because uh, Malcolm Blight obviously had come to the Crows uh, and so it's about to work with Malcolm and, um, you know, to see how he operates. And uh, we were lucky enough to have some success in 97, 98 and back-to-back premierships. Um, and then, you know, 99 was a, was a lesser year. So, but once again, a, a great learning year and experience um, to, to see how a coach like Malcolm would handle that um, after, after, the you know, the success that he'd had. And and so he he'd come to Adelaide, you know, pretty hardened senior coach because I think he had uh, he coached Geelong. North Melbourne at one stage and then Geelong and, then Geelong. and of course coached Geelong and, and to I think at least two grand finals yep. but I'm yep. not exactly sure yep. and, and 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 lost both of those. Yep. Uh, and so he came to Adelaide as a really uh, you know a highly successful coach and a, but a hardened coach. So I knew he, I remember he was one of the things that stood out. That he was absolutely, absolutely crystal clear on the way he wanted the game played, and he was absolutely crystal clear about the type of player that he he wanted in the footy club, uh, and he he was like a dog with a bone with both those concepts. Um, but you know he brought enormous enormous success to the Adelaide Footy Club, so they were they were great uh, professional development learning years for me as well.
4: Did you have to? Um sort of restart that fitness regime with a lot of the players? Because obviously in 97, 98, the Crows were successful on the back of their fitness, really, at the end of the day, that, uh, that there was a few secret herbs and spices uh, with the training regime through the middle of the year that sort of changed the, the way
2: that yeah. everyone was thinking? Well, maybe, maybe, Pete. Or well, we a bit. sold it pretty well, put it that way. <laughs> <As> you, <laughs> oh, I'm one, trying. As, as, you, as you guys would know, there's a, there's a fair bit of smoke and mirrors involved yeah. Yeah. Uh, in, in high performance sport, and in AFL in particular, um, so I'm not saying that there, there wasn't any impact at all. I mean, it, but it was it's never there's never one reason uh, with any of that uh, about you know why a team highly successful or 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 the opposite you know of no success. It's never one reason, and it's no, no different with the Crow. So, um, but what I what I am really strong on um, is that. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, what was achieved there was a result, you know, of of Malcolm's philosophy and the and the environment that he created, um, and that's just the power of the head coach. And so, uh, when you select a head coach, select wisely because it's such an important position.
4: And his ability to think outside the square, I think, was probably uh, yeah. what what set him uh, what still sets him apart from
2: most people. Yeah, so he was. Um, but in general he I mean he was uh he loved to attack. Um, you know, probably about speaking for Malcolm, I think he you know he'd say, Well, if the opposition kicked twenty five, we'll kick twenty six. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that brought a lot of joy to people, the way, uh, the way the way that Football Club played. Uh but he did, you know, he had some he had some um, which most of your absolute best coaches are a bit bit different, you know, they think outside the square and they look under any rock to mm. uh to look for something a little bit different to keep guys stimulated and find an edge. Malcolm was no different to that. And so, uh, as I said, they were, they were fantastic three years at the Adelaide Footy Club.
3: And then back involved with cycling again with yeah, the, so with the Sydney, Sydney Olympics.
2: Sydney Olympics, yeah, yeah. Then it Yeah, uh, that was the Sydney Olympics. Um, so, you know, that was sort of – I dropped out in – I finished in 99 and 2000, once again, overseas in preparing for the Olympics in Sydney. And then, um, uh, and then
3: 2001 back at the Crows and as, as an Crows assistant as a, under as an Gary assistant Ayers, coach. yeah,
2: yeah, as, as you know, you know, my career better than I do. Malcolm. <laughs> um, so as an assistant coach of Gary Ayers, so that was what 2001, two, three, and four, yeah. uh, I think with about eight or nine games to go, yeah, uh, Gary yep. left, Yep. Um, I was the interim coach. Um and so um for, for the last, I don't know, eight or nine games or whatever it was, and uh, I, I remember the first game at uh, West Lakes, it was, uh, I think we played the Melbourne footy club and, and won, you know, fairly easily, and so all of a sudden, you know, you're the messiah again, you're the guru, <laughs> whatever, whatever, right? Two games later, we played the Brisbane Lions. Yeah, up, yeah that up was up a cliffhanger
3: up, at the opening bounce.
2: Yeah. <laughs> up at the Gabba. And I think we got beaten by 24 goals. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. And I remember arriving back at the club on the Sunday morning, um, you know, and there's graffiti all over the wall about, you know, <laughs> Craig this, Craig that and whatever. Anyway, uh, long story short, um, once again, how lucky was I that the the Adelaide Footy Club had the courage to to appoint me as a senior coach um, because I hadn't played AFL. And I, I remember saying to, um, to Bill Sanders at the time, Look, if if when he, when we sort of he said, "What about an interview?" I said, "Well, I'm actually doing my interview on a daily basis. You can come and have a look, really." <laughs> you know? yeah. So I'm not going to coach any differently. So, but anyway, um, uh, I, the only thing I said is 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 there a prerequisite that you've got to have played AFL to to get to get the job? Because if it is, we might as well finish the interview now because I I haven't played yep. AFL and it's not going to happen. Yep. He said, "No, no, no, no," and so anyway, they they took an enormous uh, gamble on me. Um, and, you know, and, I, and once again, I'm very thankful for, for Bill Sanders and then, of course, Stephen Trigg. And, um, and most of my time there was with Rob Chapman and, and John Reid, who were, you know, highly, highly supportive of myself. And uh, when I look back on that and compare it to other clubs, you know, once you've been to other clubs after that, uh, how lucky I was to be involved with the L.A. Footy Club in terms of professionalism, alignment about what you're doing, uh, capacity to have tough conversations with each other but uh, all supportive uh, even right to the end you know when it was time for me to go um, the, it was it was done when i look back on it it was done on a really professional basis um, and i just have huge admiration and that was once again that was some of the best years of my life coaching at footy club and i just absolutely loved it
4: uh, mate uh, did i read somewhere that west
2: Coast offered you a position? Through, oh, I think of, I don't know when it was. It would have been early two thousands. Uh, yeah, yeah, probably. I don't know two thousand two. I reckon it yeah. was one or two. Yeah, something like that. Um, their their uh, position had become vacant, um, and so there was it was a couple of interviews that I did there, uh, but it just got to a stage where it just didn't work out, it, and you know, so it wasn't. I just felt it wasn't the right right job for me at the time. Uh, and once again, a bit like the decision of the Footscray Footy Club, you know, I, I have no regrets. Yeah. Um, in actual fact, we went on and had some good battles with uh, the West Coast Eagles, you know, so over the time. Yeah, so.
3: absolutely. I, as I alluded to earlier on right at the start, you know, for all the bit we all cross and analyse. As I've got older, I reckon I've become more reflective, probably more honest and not so emotional about it. But, you know, we all sit, Craig, he failed in finals. Well, jeez. Rue gets reported the last minor round game, so he misses the first final against St Kilda. Where he only averaged about forty-five touches against, hmm. and then the next year he gets bloody parvo virus. I like, and we've you know we've gone down free kick again, free kick against Tyson Edwards in the in the centre square when Simon Goodwood's streaming forward to pass to have a shot to possibly win the game. It is such a fine line for all the bit. Yes, do I think Matt Bowes should have started on the ground after halftime in the prelim? Yes, but. It is such a fine line, and obviously Brady.
4: we're talking about two thousand and five, um, where the minor premiership yeah, came in, and then the two prelims. It's it's yeah. such a fine line.
2: Yeah. So I mean, you're right. Um, you know. So, um, but at the end of the day, you know, I guess when I reflect back on that, um, I uh, probably I you know two thousand f- uh, what was it two thousand and five? We had a prelim final, got beaten over in Perth.
3: Perth. Yep. Yep.
2: Um, and probably not quite good enough whereas i thought the prelim final when we played the west coast in adelaide yeah uh, and we were f- probably five goals up at half time yeah. i i actually thought that was the one that did get away yeah. we we were good enough to to uh, to beat them and and uh, that was that was the one game that i thought we you know we did let get away so anyway um uh you take all that and you you know it is what it is uh, and you just do your best at the time. Um, uh, but but I guess the overriding point is is what you're saying, Malcolm, is that uh, try when you're analysing it all, just just leave the emotion, try yes. and leave the emotion out of it to a certain extent, and, uh, and 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 just try and look a bit deeper. And sometimes sometimes it's the same same result, you know, it's the same assessment. Sometimes it's a bit different. So, oh, and I think, Craggy
3: there it's it's actually a credit to you because I think it's a hell of a lot of us still wonder about that two thousand and six and B cousin situation, et cetera. Leave it at that. But I think, yeah, you know, I've spoken about that with you before, and I I just credit you that you're probably more balanced than a few of us on that one. So yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So it is what it is. And um, but uh, the overriding assessment is that. Uh, you know, I, and I still and I still think about the days. They were, they were an absolute joy of my part of my my footy career. Is coaching Adelaide Footy Club. I absolutely loved it uh, during my time there, and that and that includes both. You know, the start of Malcolm Bright in the conditioning side, the assistant coach with Garys, and then and then the you know the six or seven years as a senior coach. Um, you know, a, a great time of my life. And once again, you know, we talk about which is your club. Like the Adelaide Crows is my club, yeah. So, uh, so Norwood, I reckon the combination of Norwood and Crows is pretty strong.
3: And I I love Craig in this band. Craig is exact. We have discussed this one as well. I love it with Craigie where people say the coach hasn't got a plan B. And as Craigie says, you just block them. They've got no idea. Anyone who thinks any coach hmm. at the top level hasn't got plan A to Z has no idea and just doesn't get it. That the half forward then pushes up for five minutes, drops off the you know the plus one. There's that many subtle changes people don't notice unless yep. you're actually watching and understand and. You know the AFL playbook. Having read read one of those at one stage, and you know the terms, the blocker, the roamer and the pusher, and it's terms which ninety nine percent of people have
2: no would have no idea about. <laughs> As I said, uh, there was a fair bit of smoke and mirrors involved yes. in, uh, yes. in high
4: performance. And then uh, you um, move on to the Melbourne uh, Footy Club.
2: Yes, yeah, so uh, at the end of uh, my time in Adelaide. Um, so then I went to Melbourne for a couple of years, and I sort of once again got into sort of nomad nomad uh, movement again. So Melbourne for a couple of years, and the Essendon Footy Club for a couple of years, and then Carlton for a couple of years. Melbourne, uh, Melbourne, and, and Essendon were tough were tough four years for me, because um, I I had wrongly assumed uh, Pete that uh, all clubs were like the Adelaide Footy Club, and and probably and probably thought bigger and better, you know, in the mm. state. Yeah. Um, but I soon come to realise really, really quickly that um, not all clubs are the same. And certainly, um, you know, well, the Melbourne Football Club's is, I think, the oldest footy club in the competition. Yes. Uh, and then the Essendon Footy Club was, is one of the, the power big, big clubs in, uh, in, in the AFL. Um, and it just made me realise how lucky I was to, uh, to be involved with the Adelaide Footy Club and, and, and be exposed to their environment and their culture. Um, because uh, certainly uh, Melbourne and Essendon were, were tough environments to be in, but I wouldn't change it for the world because uh, it's really important to to have that exposure. Otherwise, I'd be walking around in dream world, you know, thinking that everyone everyone would be is, is at least as good as Adelaide, if not better. Mm-hmm. Natural fact. Uh, that's a long way from the truth. So to be exposed to that, to see it, um, you know uh as i said they were tough years and probably towards my end of my time at at essendon i sort of started to um to have lost my passion a bit for footy it was it was really uh uh, um an uneasy time for me and i was lucky enough to uh from stephen trigg i think was the ceo at Carlton Um, at the time yep and um he made a he made an offer to me to come to Carlton, and that was when Brendan Bolton was first appointed. And that sort of rekindled my my passion and my enthusiasm again for the game. Um, so I think I thank Stephen for that. Uh, one because the way he operates, um, he creates an environment where you know it's it's got some values and it's got some self worth, and you, you feel valued in the in the system. And so that really rekindled my enthusiasm, uh, and, I'm, and once again, very lucky for those two years at Carlton, which is also a big club, of mine add. Yeah. Um, uh, but you know, all, all each of those three clubs—Melbourne, Essendon, and Carlton—all got different, different styles and philosophies, and and and, uh, and and for want of a better word, cultures about them. Um, but the, my last two years at Carlton with Stephen and and Brendan Bolton in particular were were really were really enjoyable. Um, and at the end of I think 2017 is was when I started to do some work with uh, with Eddie Jones with uh, with England rugby, which is pretty topical at the moment with Eddie. But yeah, um, once again, you know that sort of leads into our conversation that you don't have to be a technical expert to know about the sport to to, to be able to work in the sport. So, although uh, you did
3: go through the marking, trying to teach the them about marking the the high ball a bit more craggy at one stage too. Yeah,
2: yeah, with well, I mean that's a that's a uh, it's a it's a reasonably important skill in the in the game of rugby union. Uh Malcolm, but it's uh um coming out of AFL system and makes you realize uh like you, we grow up with it and that's all we do from a young age and then we practice it as I said three or four times a day when you're at school. Yeah. And so it's natural for us, but it's an unnatural movement for for guys in rugby, so Occasionally, you get one or two that have got a real, uh, a, um, a real natural um, way they go about it. If 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 I want, you know, it looks a bit like AFL style. You probably see it more in the NRL in terms of the high ball. Mm. Um, but anyway, there was there was that was one area of actual hands-on coaching, technical coaching that I, I got involved with, and a little bit of kicking as well. But it's, it's difficult to change. Um, you know the skill level of kicking because based on the time that you've actually got them at, yeah. um, at international yeah. level, we haven't got them for a long time. But anyway, um, so at the end of, at the end of Carlton, uh, 2017 was when sort of I, I had an opportunity to work in another sport at an international level, uh, with a, with a really, um, you know, high level coach in Eddie Jones. And so in terms of my, once again, my professional development, um, that's, that's been a great great period for for a long period of time. And once again, we've seen the highs and the lows. I've been involved in the highs and the lows of that. Like in 2019, uh, Eddie was able to get England to a level where they they actually played in the final of a World Cup. You know, yep. which is huge on the on the international stage. Yep. Uh, to just recently, where you know with the Wallabies, um, uh, probably I think for the first time ever, they didn't make the quarterfinals. So. Yeah. You know, you, the, you you get the the exposure of the real highs in sport and also the lows, which is once again I, I keep saying are really important because you've, then you've got the comparison. You know, so you don't I, I don't I don't wish on anyone to be in a in a in an environment where you never get exposed to winning, um, and, I, and I, I don't wish on anyone where you only get exposed to winning. Um, because you you don't get you don't get the comparison and you don't get the learnings and there and there's learnings in both.
3: And how was the role then with mentoring Stewie Jew and and that and with Up the Gold, Gold Coast, Coast and yeah.
2: that? Yeah, Great. yeah. Well, that's that's sort of a, that's an interesting that's it that's, that's been an interesting um, time, uh, and it's, uh, that's becoming more of a. Uh, a role, a recognised role in in a whole range of sports, particularly at international level. Um, with with head coaches, uh, like a big part of my role with Eddie Jones is 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 a is a mentor, is a is a listener, is a questioner, is a truth teller. It's a whole range of like it's just another support. And having having done the job myself, uh, Malcolm and Peter and and uh, and seeing it in, in other environments and other coaches utilising people in those positions, there is no doubt in my mind whatsoever, none whatsoever, that if I had time again as an AFL coach, senior head coach, I would have someone in that role mm-hmm. with me.
4: And once again, we thank Craggy for uh, his interview. We've already talked previously yep. uh, at the start of the show about his – um, unbelievable career and um, part three coming up, obviously, next week. And once yep. again, we thank Neil Craig. Nope. Thanks, Craigie. Happy days. All right, this week we wish a happy birthday to Harrison Petty, the Melbourne Football Club defender slash forward, drafted in 2017 uh, via Ross Trevor and Norwood. Yep. Uh, he was drafted to the Melbourne Football Club with their third selection and 37th overall, overall in the 2017 draft. He's made his debut uh, in the two-point loss to St Kilda at the Melbourne Cricket Ground or the MCG in round 15, 2018. Topical because Adelaide were obviously chasing him this year in the um Trade period. It was also
3: interesting that Hawthorne were really interested in him. and so when when a club decides they're really interested, it goes up the scale. So I think it's a game at Nord and Paul Whaley is just finishing up at Hawthorne actually. He's mm-hmm. retired. Wales said, Robert, why in the hell is Petty playing reserves? I said, me he'd be in my league side, Wales and mm-hmm. that. And admittedly, he was a kid and he hadn't played yeah. you know, and all that, but you could just see already. Yep. Haw- Hawthorne had a guy on a stopwatch because he was playing the plus one role. They were measuring where he was going from contest to contest in terms of what his reading of the po- and all that. Right. So let's just say there may have been a person head down to the Nord bench and, and say, get a message at Harrison, don't dare... Just be lazy, actually really work, try and read it. work your butt off because there's clubs here watching you for that particular reason.
4: Right, so, there you go. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I put him on the run sheet yeah. and we wish him a happy birthday for yes. this week. I think he'll be back in Adelaide next year, but we'll see how that Just plays wait and out. Wait yeah, and see. Absolutely. All right, we move on to tennis, 2003. Kim Clijsters of Belgium becomes the first female player to earn $4 million in a season. When she overwhelms Emily Moresmo, six two six love in the WTA Championship. Uh, of course,
3: she was Aussie Kim there for a while. She when was. She was going out with Leighton, so there was a big interest in uh, in Kim classes back uh, back then. So yeah.
4: And four million in a season's not, yes. not not nothing to sneeze no. at, but these days obviously prize money is a little bit higher. And um, back in two thousand and three, that was a pretty fair effort. All right, we move on to cricket. So I knew you'd like this one, mate. Nineteen eighty five. Sir Richard Hadley takes fifteen yep. for one twenty-three in a cricket match,
3: New Zealand versus Australia in Brisbane. Interesting individual, Richard. He did win player of the player of the series, whatever, and all that. Won a car, Now, that's it was a traditional, generally that the car would get pulled. That was the agreement amongst the players. It'd be sold and mm-hmm. thirty grand to get split ten yep. ways, or whatever. Let's just say that was never going to happen when Richard Hadley won anything. and Yeah, he uh, – let's just say that he was – oh, look, fantastic bowl. Yep. And everyone in that was never a question about yes. him as a player. Yes. But interesting individual. Yep. And we'll move on to our next okay. point.
4: That's yes. uh, that's yes. That's the world we live in. There yes. are interesting individuals everywhere, so we'll leave it at that. All right, 2022 – uh, rugby: New Zealand Black Ferns win the Women's World Cup Championship, defeating England thirty-four thirty-one at Eden Park in front of a capacity crowd.
3: Yeah, fair. Uh, it was a big crowd, wasn't it? Mm. So yeah, great game, and uh, yeah, once again, result. women's sport. Women's yep. sport coming to the
4: fore. Uh, only, obviously, yeah. a, a year ago, uh, we're starting to see stadiums become packed out. Uh, you know, hard tickets to get, the hottest hottest tickets in town. Yeah. yeah. Uh, And I believe that at Eden Park uh, in uh, 2022, it would have been a hot ticket for uh, New Zealand supporters. And obviously getting the win was a bonus as well. And just to finish off, 1995 car racing, German Benetton driver Michael Schumacher crashes in the season ending Australian Grand Prix in Adelaide uh, to claim his second straight F1 championship, 33 point from Damon Hill.
3: It's interesting with the car drives in Adelaide and what's ended up happening and things. There's a f- bit of synergy with a few in that mm-hmm. way. So, yeah.
4: Such a great track, such a great experience. Yeah. It would be great to have it come back, yeah. but we all know that that's probably not going to be the case. Um, if the Formula 1s do come back, they'll probably end up at the Bend Motorsport, but that's a topic for a completely different day. All right, let's scoot into the Extra Time Big Finish.
1: Straight
4: time. Big finish. All right, we'll kick it off with baseball, mate. What do I know about baseball? Absolutely nothing because last week I sort of thought the Diamondbacks were going to be the ones to take it out. And then yeah, Texas went bang, that. Bang, 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 and you, it was all over.
3: You didn't give Texas no chance. Let's not be, you know, he said, look, I favor Arizona, yep. but yeah, it wasn't to that extent.
4: Um, obviously, Texas winning the World Series, believe, first time in their franchise history. We have talked about it previously that some of these unknown teams, or teams that, you know, not quite taken the extra step, have taken the extra step this time around and paid off for them yeah. in, in, in spades. Uh, great to see new teams competing, obviously for that ultimate prize. All right, we move on to horse racing. Yep. We obviously know the race that stops the it's nation, racing, yep. the Melbourne Cup. Uh, always a bit of a highlight and a bucket list for many. But the Melbourne Cup this year has been won without a fight, and yeah. and not literally without a fight. Correct. The horse yeah, named no, without give, a fight.
3: Well played, I'll give you that. <laughs> um, yeah, jockey goes back to back. Um, knocked back the ride on last year's winner and picked out without a fight. So a good decision there. Um,
4: I know I actually had a a few dollars, which I do or have done for many, many years, uh, starting with my grandfather. used to put on a small little wager for me and um, when it came to the Melbourne Cup, you know, who do you think? And I've continued, um, you know, keeping that tradition alive and I ended up picking the winner as well. So yay for me, a couple extra dollars in the bank is always handy as well. Well All right, we'll move on to the SNFL. Uh, we'll start off with Norwood. Norwood uh, showing some recruits this year, a little bit earlier than what they have done uh, in the last couple of years. Good to see that they have announced that uh, Billy Cootie, Ben Simpson, Mitch O'Neill uh, have made their way to the parade.
3: And today, Jeeve Cooper uh, from Murray Bush Rangers as well. So, yeah, look, we have to. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about that. And let's not forget, not one of the Nord sides made finals last year, so there was a real lack of depth as well. Yep. Look, Matty Nunn was always going to end up back at Paynham Yes. Um, I think there, again, the demands of league footy, I think enjoyment-wise and mental health-wise, is a big part while he's back at back at Paynham now. Yep. Uh Lockie Pascoe is at Golden Grove, but also a top-up player for Port Adelaide. It's an interesting decision by Lockie. Right. Uh, Campbell, I'm pretty sure is Ross Trevor on memory, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure if Josh where Josh Richards because I think there'd be a bit of bit of chasing from a few clubs. I haven't heard exactly where yep. what Josh was up to yet. Obviously, uh, Nord
4: thanking them for their service. Yeah. Uh obviously, you know, a bit of a tough year last year f- across all the grades, uh, especially in the league. Um, but some new recruits, bit of fresh energy in the place. Hard to pick. Um, we're not going to talk about it now. No, but, hard, but it's, it's disappointing
3: there's three premiership players who aren't that old yep. from 2022 leaving. So you know, I, I, I think it's not only Nord, but clubs – you know, Cameron Craig's left North Adelaide to go again. I, think, I do think SNFL clubs have to be smarter.
4: Absolutely. All right, we'll finish off today like we have been
3: in the last uh, few episodes, the good,
4: the bad, the ugly for the for the week. We'll start off with your – say
3: you're you're good – Glenn Maxwell in capital letters. Amazing, incredible, ridiculous. Yep. Strike me pink, KG, unbelievable. Absolutely. Uh, You're bad? I'm going to go with the Redbacks again. 130-odd ahead in the first innings, and it looks like we're going to go down in Queensland. Bloody disappointing that, to be bowled out for 150. Now, if we made 220 in the second innings, yes, that would have been enough. But yet again, just dumb cricket.
4: Fair ah. uh, and I'm assuming that would be your ugly as well. Oh. All right, my good for the week uh, is probably the Texas Rangers uh, winning the yep. uh, their first franchise um, World Series. As I said, what do I know about baseball? Ah. <laughs> I know a bit, but they, no, it's all good. Um, congratulations to them. My bad for the week is probably the treatment of Irakundu in the soccer. I yeah, I, I think that, agree with that. That you know, being a younger player and and. I know he's got to get used to the opposition trying to get under his skin a little bit. I'd, I think also there needs to be some responsibility taken from all parties involved that, you know, he still is only 17 or 18 years of age. Yeah, I'm, so, not,
3: I'm not worried about that side of it. I'm saying out of that, Melbourne just pushed the button as far as, right, shit, we've got away with that. We're going to keep going. Pushed it more and more. Comes back to the referee. Yep. Really poor referee. Absolutely.
4: And my ugly for the week is probably the tackle on the Melbourne player, uh, Brisbane. Yep. Player on the
3: yep agreed
4: uh, was probably my ugly. Considering we have talked about it on previous episodes, players need to understand that we're in an ever-changing world where these things need to be adhered to, or you know that that mitigation of liability needs to be thought of. And I know it is a spur of the moment type thing, but there's enough um, education out there to say that it just needs to stop.
3: How, Kim Dillon, uh, listening to me on the radio drive today when I was out driving around dropping things off, has still got his head buried firmly in the sand. I felt like punching the radio when I was driving, for goodness sake. Yep.
4: I'll let you do that. Uh, yes. My hands are probably a little no, more valuable at the moment. but you yeah, um, might get a message. <laughs> no, nah, fair call. Uh, once again, it's been a fantastic uh, episode. We thank Neil Craig for his time uh, over these part series. Yep. So we thank Craigie for, for his time in providing to to our episode. Huge week in SA sport. Um, we promise to do better next time. And we've got some, hopefully some exciting news to announce over the next couple of weeks as well that we've been working on in the background. So uh, as per usual, we promise to do better. We'll see you next week.
3: See you guys. See Thanks, mate.
1: In this crazy world we live in, we all need the distraction. Enjoying the show? Like, rate, and subscribe. Hook up and connect with us on social media at SportsCastSA. We'll see you next time on Game On.